Hello and welcome to Natural Health Simplified, where we help you cut through the noise and provide simple, science-based strategies to help you live a healthy life. I'm Bobby Mehta from Blackmores Institute, and today I'm joined by Director of the Blackmores Institute, pharmacist, naturopath and respected author, Professor Leslie Braun. Today we're going to discuss pregnancy, a vast topic, but hopefully one for which we will be able to provide some simple, helpful natural health advice. Welcome to Natural Health Simplified. How are you, Leslie? I'm great. Thanks, Bobby. Now, pregnancy can be a very nerve-wracking time for both parents, especially first-time parents, and understandably, they can be very cautious and anxious in their approach. I wanted to start today by asking you about your views on the safety of natural medicine during pregnancy. Is it really something that should be considered at all? Look, Bobby, it's a great question because I think for a lot of people, becoming pregnant is the first time they start to really look at their health, their diet, their lifestyle, and it's also a very sensitive time where they start to think about the medications they're using and if they're okay or not. Now, just to reassure you, um, there's a lot of evidence out there and um, Generally, if you're not sure, go talk to your pharmacist or your naturopath. So natural and pharmaceutical medicines do tend to be safe, but the key is using the right dose at the right time for the right indication, which is why it's really good to get professional advice. Now, the first three months of pregnancy are a particularly sensitive time, and my approach is to generally just exercise caution um, with all medicines, and particularly with herbal medicines during this time, unless there's really solid evidence showing that they're absolutely safe. So consulting a trained naturopath at this point is always a great idea in pregnancy, in fact, before pregnancy, to get you ready in a tip-top condition, just to make sure you're using the right herbal medicines at the right time, if that's the approach you're going to take. Now, when it comes to nutrients, there is a wealth of research behind their use in pregnancy and showing how safe they are. So whilst a good diet is always the key, the evidence is now showing that some of them also need to be used in supplemental doses to give you those extra benefits. So which are the primary nutrients that we need to consider in pregnancy? I know folic acid will surely feature in your recommendations. Mm -hmm. Folic acid or folate is well documented as having evidence that supports its use as a supplement. In fact, the very earliest studies started to look at its role in pregnancy way back in the 1970s. That's a long time ago. It was in the 1990s, which is over about 25 years ago, that folate supplementation became a standard recommendation for women in pregnancy and the evidence continues to support its role. Now, I know, Bobby, you and I talked about in our podcast covering preconception a little bit about folic acid and how it was really important for preventing neural tube defects. So it's really pleasing to see the rates of some of these defects, such as spina bifida, for example, have been falling in Australia. A lot of this has got to do with the promotion of folic acid supplementation, but also there's been voluntary fortification of foods, such as cereals, breads, and some wheat flours with folic acid as well. Yeah, really important nutrient. Can you remind us once again, Leslie, what was the dosage recommendation? Well, if you start taking it three months before conception and throughout the first three months of pregnancy, so that's about six months overall, folic acid supplementation needs to be at a dose of 500 microgram a day. And this is the dose that seems to be linked to reducing the risk of having a baby with a neural tube defect. But women who are at particularly high risk will need to take higher doses, somewhere in the order of five milligrams a day, but obviously consult their health professional. And who would fall into that category, Leslie? So that high-risk group you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, what does that include? Well, generally, that's going to be people who've got a history of neural tube defect-affected births, people with diabetes or a body mass index that's over 30. So talking to your doctor is going to be really important because they'll be able to work out what category you're in and what the right dose is as well. Absolutely. Thanks for clarifying that. 
Now, other than folic acid, which other nutrients would you also consider in pregnancy? Oh, I always think about iodine <laughs> and vitamin D. And in fact, I would add omega-3 fatty acids to the list as well. Iron's important, calcium, B12, all of these have benefits. But in their case, an assessment of the individual needs is probably worth undertaking first. Now, tell me more about iodine. It's usually associated with the thyroid gland, isn't it? That's right. And during pregnancy, there is increased thyroid activity, which in turn results in an increased iodine requirement. Mm. So if iodine intake is inadequate before pregnancy, the mother's stores can run low and become insufficient to support the unborn baby later in pregnancy. So why is iodine so essential? Well, iodine is vital. It's vital for the production of maternal thyroid hormone, the fetal brain and also nervous system development. Iodine deficiency is particularly of concern during pregnancy because the abnormal function of the mother's thyroid has a significantly negative impact on the nervous system of the unborn baby. In fact, there was a report issued by WHO, so that's the World Health Organization, and it indicated that iodine-deficient people could forfeit 15 IQ points. Wow. It's massive. And this is just simple old iodine. Having enough iodine is so important because deficiency during pregnancy not only can result in brain damage to the fetus, but also low birth weight, prematurity, and also increased perinatal and infant mortality. So really significant impact here. Now, in terms of dosages, pregnant women should be looking for a supplement that has around 150 micrograms of iodine and take that every day. If you have a pre-existing thyroid condition, you really need to seek professional advice just to see what level you're at and what's appropriate. That's astounding, the fact mm. around the IQ points. Uh, mm. I think I know where I've gone wrong now. <laughs> uh, what type of foods typically contain iodine? Well, look, if you like oysters, you're in for a treat because oysters contain a lot of iodine. Not my preferred food, to be <laughs> honest. There's snapper, there's seaweed as well, which contains iodine. And also tinned salmon is also very good. Bread, eggs, milk and milk products like yogurt is also, uh, they're also very good sources. Iodine's also added to salt. So what I'd be looking for is iodized salt. And in fact, having that in your house just every day is going to be a good thing. In Australia, there is mandatory iodine fortification of bread, so most of the population will get enough iodine. But the extra iodine available through the fortified bread is not enough to meet the additional needs of pregnancy and during breastfeeding, which is why I always think about iodine through this really important time. Thanks, Leslie. Now, I want to talk to you about vitamin D. Tell me a bit more about the role of vitamin D in pregnancy. So D is increasingly important and it's being studied extensively for a range of uses way beyond its use in bone health. Low maternal levels in pregnancy are associated with lower neonate levels, which are associated with impaired skeletal development. So it's not just the mother, it's also the unborn child and their skeletal development which can be affected here. Now, blood tests are the best way to go to see if you've got enough vitamin D and also what level of supplementation is going to be important. So for pregnant women with levels of vitamin D below 50 nanomole, that's where you need to be very, very careful. And in fact, 400 IU a day is typically recommended throughout pregnancy and often part of a pregnancy multivitamin. And finally, omega-3 fatty acids. Now, where do you stand on this new trip? Because I've come across quite a bit of conflicting and confusing information regarding omega-3 in pregnancy. I'm interested in what your thoughts are. Oh, I love omega-3 fatty acids. Probably the most studied nutritional essential oils on the planet. They're very important for neurodevelopment and they can even reduce preterm labour. 
So if dietary intake of omega-3 is low, supplementation really needs to be looked at. Researchers found the optimal dose to prevent preterm births was a daily supplement of about 500 to 1,000 milligram of an omega-3 type supplement. So that's containing omega-3 and at least 500 milligram of DHA. And again, best to start before you're pregnant and you can take it all the way through. Now, you mentioned DHA there, and this is another thing I'd like you to clarify. We hear a lot about EPA and DHA. What are they and and why do they matter? So EPA and DHA are two types of omega-3 fatty acids, and they're both really important, and they both come from fish. They're both associated with a range of health benefits as well, relating to cardiovascular function, joints, and even brain function, and there's research on even Alzheimer's disease Mm. coming through. So EPA and DHA have been found to be important for proper fetal development, including neuronal, retinal, so that's the eye, and immune function. And DHA in particular is a key component of all cell membranes, and it's found in abundance, particularly in the brain and the retina. So for those who don't eat a lot of fish, or if you're vegetarian or vegan, you've really got to look at some kind of supplementation here, because it's an essential fatty acid, which means your body cannot make it, you need to take it in through your diet. Mm. Now we've discussed nutritional support during pregnancy, but we can't end this episode without talking about one of the issues often associated with pregnancy, the dreaded morning sickness. Yeah, yes. uh, is there any advice or supplements that you feel would be appropriate to help with this? Oh, Bobby, I remember it well. <laughs> <laughs> Look, up to 80% of pregnant women experience some level of nausea and vomiting during pregnancy. And, and I, Look, I've got three daughters and that happened to me, absolutely. And I found ginger was fantastic. In fact, ginger has been used traditionally for morning sickness, um, which is why I used it. And I have to say, my morning sickness, I graded it at about an 8 out of 10 severity after taking some ginger supplements, I got it down to a three. So it didn't get rid of it completely, but it certainly meant I could get out of bed and run my day normally. Um, It's a mild antiemetic. There's actually science now proving it as well. And for some people who don't want to take a supplement, sipping on ginger tea can be really helpful. Thanks so much, Leslie. It was great to have you join me to unpack what can be a very intimidating and confusing topic. Thanks, Bobby, for having me. I hope you've also enjoyed this episode of the podcast and I look forward to you joining me again soon for another episode. I'm Bobby Mehta and this has been Natural Health Simplified. Until next time, goodbye for now.